Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're going to ask the question everybody's been dying to know the answer to. Is this finally the year the Belleville Senators make some noise in the playoffs? And we continue to roll through our organizational value rankings with a very intriguing tier today. And these guys could help make that happen in the minors. Plus, what's going on with Anton Forsberg? We'll answer that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 863 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, a reminder that you can like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We are also free and available on YouTube. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, and if you missed it, we are back to five shows a week. Six this one, if you include the Ring of Honor yesterday. Go vote, go watch, all available wherever you get your podcast. But Pilsy, today, it's the Belleville Senators tier of our organizational value rankings. Yeah, I love talking about the Belleville Senators. Uh, as you guys know, Belleville holds a special place in Ross and uh, my heart as we worked there for two seasons as part of the, the video production team. And look, it's it's exciting hockey. And for Belleville to have an opportunity to have this team is huge. And I know I say it every year and I have all these hyperbolic statements, Ross, but... It's our year. <laughs> I'm not going to make the big, bold statements this year. Because I feel like I don't need to pump all that positivity into Belleville like we usually do. Because this year, just flat out, is their best roster ever, bar none. It's not even close. So I don't need to have a big statement to try to boost it. I'm just going to say that this year, I have more confidence in this roster than I ever have. I'll I'll start there. I'm sure when we do our preseason predictions, mine will be uh, a lofty goal for Belleville. But I'll leave it at that for now. And if you want to get to know the new bench boss of the Belleville Senators, David Bell, you can go check out both interviews that he's had with Locked On Senators. Really fun conversations with him. He took over midway through last season after a tumultuous, still very mysterious departure of Troy Mann, who we're big fans of as well. But the players that are there, they're spending money. And a lot of these guys who we're going to get to in today's tier are guys who are on big money AHL contracts. You and I were looking and like Dylan Hetherington signed his deal before last season. So he's actually making below league minimum now. He's making 762 at the NHL level. The league minimum now this year is 775, but making 350K in the minors. A few other guys on today's list are at like 200,000. And that just was not a realistic environment for players in years past no. for the B sense. It felt like it was a very shoestring budget down there. And now they're going to open up the wallets and think about it. Even in the AHL, Ottawa's farm team is sandwiched between Laval and Toronto with unlimited budget. So to compete with them, you have to be able to open up your wallets and Pilsy. Do you think they targeted the right type of players to fill out this roster? Yeah, I really do. And I, I've been kind of, 
you know, to- tooting this horn or singing this tune, whatever uh, phrase you want to use for years. And I think sometimes people get lost in the fact that Belleville isn't just a placeholder for prospects. There's so much more that goes into having a successful uh, organization that if you don't do the right things in your AHL team, it's going to have consequences down the road for future NHL stars. So what they did is they brought in toughness, they brought in skills, they brought in veterans, they brought in guys that can play up and down the lineup. Like I think you really got to hand it to Ryan Bonus and Pierre Dorian for the moves and the additions they made that are likely going to really help this Belleville roster. Yeah, is there one player in particular that we'll call an X factor down there, whether it's one of the guys we're about to discuss or maybe one of the more prospect-type players who are going to be a little higher on our list? I think it's this. Maybe this isn't the direction you wanted this question to go, so I apologize, but I think it's going to come down to the goaltending. Like, the goaltending in Belleville, like, we love Mads, we love Mando, but unfortunately for them, with injuries up in Ottawa and their own injuries, uh, they haven't had consistent kind of stretches, and that's really hurt their numbers, I feel like. So if this team's going to have any success, the trio of Mads, Mando, and Levy have to be much better than they've been in the past. And I I believe they can be, so I'm feeling pretty confident about how they're going to do. I'm glad you went that direction because I was going to bring up the goaltending. Belleville used 10 different goalies last year. Yeah. 10. While the Senators used seven. So it's like that is just an absurd amount of goalies to be playing in one franchise in the season. But we also have an extra goalie down there. They realized that mistake. You mentioned the three. Well, they also signed Mark Sinclair, who was one of the 10 goalies last year. And maybe one of the most kind of, you know, teeth gritting stats ever you have a 41 save shutout and you lose the game they lost in a shootout that's tough 41 save shutout in his ahl debut but gets the loss come on yeah true i actually remember that because that was around the time when it was the phenomena in ottawa that hey this goalie has never played an nhl game throw him in and he's gonna have an amazing debut so that was part of it in ahl even Amazing. So, yes, I'm with you. It's going to come down to the goaltending. It's going to come down to clearing waivers when it comes down to a Lassie Thompson. We're not sure what's going to happen with Igor. I've been very vocal thinking that he deserves a shot to start the year in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to go in and fight someone in training camp. I think he needs to go and, and like show that he's going to play DJ Smith-style hockey because as long as he's the coach, he's making decisions of who's going to be in the lineup. And we know that's the type of player he likes. Cause you know, Boucher is going to come into training camp and throw his weight around. So Igor, I think has to match that intensity, but if it's Tyler Boucher, Zach, Stapchuk, the young guys taking a step is Ridley Gregg, a full-time NHLer, or can he be a number one center down there? There's a ton of, I think good questions that you could be asking. Roby Arventi, not anymore. Is he the youngest player in the AHL? This is the year I think for Roby where it's like, okay, Let's go. Let's see consistent efforts mm-hmm. offensively, putting pucks in the net and doing it at five on five. We know the power play is good. Do it at five on yeah. five. Yeah, Roby's got to get a B game because his A game, when he's on, he he's incredible. But then you see stretches of games where he's got no points and he's not really helping out in other ways. So Roby's got to find a B game. And we're going to find out sooner or later if, He's going to be able to accomplish that. Dave Bell will have to be pushing all the buttons down there in Belleville. They start their season October 14th. And if Senators fans, maybe we'll we'll try to get the stream up at Martian Palooza. Hey, eh? we'll try to get the stream up. 
Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, and it's interesting because they're going up against the Calder Cup champs to start off their season, the Hershey Bears. So talk about starting things off with a tough opponent. And it's in Hershey. And yeah. one of the players who we have on our organizational value rankings today won that trophy with them. Before we get to our organizational value rankings, we also want to let you know that they started yesterday with Tier 10. Is my math off? Yes. I said Tier 9. It was Tier 10. We, we, should, doing- we should have had Sean Tierney tell us uh, what tiers we're doing. Yeah. We need, our, we need to hire a full-time analytics employee. We don't have the budget for it, but we'd like to hire it. Yeah, or uh, one day I'd like to have someone that's good at math, a uh, high bar, just go through all our math mistakes and, and correct us in a full video. That would be hilarious. It would be longer than our mock drafts. Let's <laughs> uh, we also want to congratulate Ottawa as a city. Congratulations, Ottawa. Pat yourselves on the back. You've got a new professional hockey team. The PWHL announced that they've got an original six beginning for their inaugural season. And Ottawa is one of the six teams. The always forgotten Ottawa, one of the six teams. Absolutely love to see that. It's Montreal, it's Toronto, it's Boston, it's Minnesota, and I'm forgetting one already. You got me? You got me? You going to help out? Mm, I forget which ones you've mentioned here. New York. Is New York. <laughs> yeah, we should have got that one. Uh, I want to pose a quick question to you, Ross. Yes. Do you believe it's good or bad branding for a team in the same city to don the same colors. Like should the, should the women's team have the same colors as the Sens? You like that? Yeah. I don't think they should be the lady senators or anything. No, no. But I do think the color scheme is important. You see that in lots of cities. Yeah. Pittsburgh is the best one. I mean, black and yellow. That's clutch. was the first one, but I mean, even uh, yeah, there's other examples all all across. Not, not too many. Really? Like, try to think of any uh, some other other ones than Pittsburgh. Like, Toronto, close, but the Raptors, there's no blue. Although, they used to be the Huskies, which were blue. Yes. Um, okay, this is off the top of my head. What about... Yeah, I, I guess, man, off the top of my head is a little bit more difficult here. Let us know in the comments. That's where we'll leave it. What cities look good all together that have the same color scheme? And we'll try to we'll try to we'll try to workshop what the the Ottawa PWHL team should be all about. And what I like is they get to sign three players, and then there's a draft, so you're able to kind of woo potential, you know, top end talent first, and then draft around that and build your team. So that's all coming up in the next months. But Ottawa is just a hockey town through and through. So great to see them getting recognized on an international scale as being a place where they think that women's hockey. Can thrive. We'll keep you posted on that as more develops. Pilsy, goalie-friendly show. Anton Forsberg is back to 100% per our friend Ian Mendez. Yeah, this was great to see. And the thing that stuck out to me, Ross, is in his interview with Ian Mendez, he mentioned, I would have been good to go if the Sens made the playoffs. So, like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, is Forsberg going to be ready? Like, and, and worrying about that. But He's been ready, and he said he's been 100% for quite a while, and uh, another great article by Ian Mendez, and we're excited for this. I, I Obviously, I have Corpusalo as the 1A guy, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as maybe some people do. Sure, Forsberg's got the big contract and big expectations, but or uh, sorry, Corpusalo, but uh, Forsberg's got a lot to prove here now that a uh, guy's been brought in on a big deal. He's got to say, hey, I'm not just your... You're cut and dried back up here. I'm going to try to steal some games here. 
Well, but let's keep in mind, too, that it's the term that makes Corpus Allo's deal so much bigger. He's barely making a million bucks more, right? 2.75, 4 yep. million. So I think Forsberg's going to get many opportunities this year to prove that he can be the guy. Also, just quick Google, cities that have the same colors for multiple sports. Pittsburgh is the only city in the country where all yeah, where it's a clean sweep. sports teams wear the same color. I like that. Let's get red, black, white, and gold because Ottawa's got that, too. The Blackjacks, the Red Blacks. The Red Blacks, yeah. Oh, man. And the there Senate. we go. And 67s even. Yeah, so there you go. Ottawa paint. Oh, let's do it. Black and white. Let's go. Yes. And now let's get to our organizational value rankings. That's next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. They are the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. They're North America's number one sportsbook. And I don't get tired of that saying that because if you're number one in anything, especially a competitive market like sportsbooks, that's a big deal. And if you're trying to get in on the action in baseball, you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You heard it right, 20 bucks and you can land $200 in bonus bets win or lose that's the key all in an app that's safe secure and easy to use plus when you win you get paid instantly ross i had a weird hunch that ronald acuna jr was going to get a home run they were playing in colorado me too (laughs) nice that's the only bet i made and i was just i was just like you know what i'm sure of it five dollar bet at plus 320 odds and boom he got it he went four for five that night so it was a good night to be betting on acuna jr so You can get those green numbers in your account instantly if you have a hunch as well. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators, your team. Every day, shout out to the everydayers out there that make us a part of your daily routine. We are back, 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 back to five shows a week because the organizational value rankings are as thorough as we could possibly do for you, and we don't want to make it go into training camp. We have this strategically set so that one, two, and three are done the day that the Senators' rookies play their first game at the annual rookie tournament this year in Buffalo, where the Senators will play Pittsburgh on, uh, sorry, New Jersey on Friday, September 15th. They'll play Pittsburgh on Saturday and then Montreal on Monday. On the Tuesday, we'll have a full rookie game camp recap, but we'll get into all that scheduling later on. Basically for the next three weeks, we are all organizational value rankings all the time. But of course, we did make time to get a Send Central Citizen tomorrow. We will have that on tomorrow's show. Lots of content planned for season five of the show. We appreciate you everydayers out there that like and subscribe, especially on YouTube. Leave comments below. The Ring of Honor, especially. We're loving all the comments on that. And I like when people leave comments, Pilsy, throughout the show. They're like, I can't believe this hasn't been f- picked. Oh, man. It just got picked. What a steal. I love kind of going through their thought process as they're watching along. Yeah, you know what I really like seeing? Uh, our guy, AJ Prince, Adam, on Twitter saying that he he does his own version of the draft while the draft is going. So, like, he 
if I'm understanding this right, he's like, oh, that pick's gone, so who would I pick next? He's not just picking the top four guys, and he's like, my team's way better than ever under, at least I hope not. Because, um, hey, everyone looks at those graphics and they're like, oh, how could this be your pick? Well, try try picking when all the good ones are gone and see how that goes for you. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Second half of the draft ain't so easy. No, it's been your Achilles heel the last little while. All right. So with that, we should get in because we've got, what, seven more players to discuss? We did nine yesterday. We've got, um, yeah, seven more today. And this is what we're calling the AHL depth tier, which is no disrespect. These guys are going to have big roles in Belleville. But we just felt like prospects, even though they're maybe the lesser like uh, in terms of NHL upside prospects, I still think that because the the under 23s basically are in our next tier, because I do think that they have, you know, a little more road to, to jump up. So these are guys who are a little bit older, maybe have played multiple years in the AHL or gone overseas and then come back, but they are going to make an impact at the AHL level. All right. Coming in at number 51. On our organizational value rankings, he went to Russia, and now he's back to a league where he's dominated in the past. It's Josh Curry, a forward from Canada. Yeah, this is someone that I really liked the signing for Belleville here, and uh, I talked about it a little bit in the first segment, Ross, but Josh Curry is 30 years old, and he's got experience in a lot of leagues, East Coast League, AHL, NHL, KHL, like... You need these kinds of experiences for young guys that the grind of a full AHL season can be very overwhelming for them. And you just need someone like game 55, maybe things aren't going well, you're in a scoring slump. Like you just need a veteran guy that can come over to you during practice, sit like get down on one knee and just have a chat with you. Like, hey, we got we got a long ways to go still. Keep doing what you're doing and just just be a shoulder to lean on with a wealth of experience. And I think Josh Curry is one of those guys that the younger players in Belleville are really going to get a lot of um, kind of knowledge from. And another East Coast guy, yep. Charlottetown PEI. But what I love about him, and he actually played for PEI's QMJHL team way back when. They don't have a team anymore, but he was the captain there for two years. And in his final year before going to the KHL, where he spent the last two seasons, he was captain of Wilkes-Barre Scranton. You know why that's important? Because Ryan Bonus was with the organization then. So oh, this, true. this is a hand-picked player yep. for Ryan Bonus saying, I want that guy in the locker room in Belleville. So despite maybe a lack of production, his second season in the KHL, I do think that he's going to bring that leadership intangible that any minor league team, especially, as you said, those three and threes, those tough stretches with travel that they're going to have to do. He played 48 games last year with Magnitogorsk in the KHL, only scored three goals, 12 points, minus seven, and only four penalty minutes. But what really kind of stands out to me, Pilsy, is the last year he played when he was captain in Wilkes-Barre. Had 23 points in 24 games. So are they going to get that type of production? I mean, his last two years before that in the AHL with Bakersfield, where he also wore a letter, he had 24 goals, 27 goals. So despite only scoring three in 48 games, I think we could see him in double digits, which would help out depth-wise. At his age, leadership, you know what? He, he might be a bit of like the Jordan Swartz, the old yep. captain for Belleville. That type of production out of him, I think, would be great. Yeah, and Ross, maybe you can tell me if I'm off on this, but I think we're going to see a big season from Josh Curry because in my mind, I'm looking at this and I'm like, 
he was up and down from the NHL and the AHL for quite a while. Then he's like, all right, I'm going to go get the bag in Russia. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. See how that goes. It didn't go great for him. He was only there two years. First year was good though, man. 26 points in 48 games, then had nine points in 23 playoff games. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It started off hot, so he's probably like, oh, this is this is a great move for me. Then second year doesn't exactly go the way he planned. Now he's coming back. So he's already kind of pulled his late 20s, I'm going to go to the KHL card. And Is that, is that a midlife crisis? I mean, I mean for, for a professional hockey player, kind of, right? Like that's when that kind of thing happens. And you're like, well, it's not going to work for me in North America. I'm going to try the European leagues. He's done that. Chris Weidman, perfect example. He came back. Exactly. And and then he came back and he had a lot of hype around him. And uh, I think this is what's going to happen with Josh Curry is he's going to say, all right, I've already done that move. I need to put all my eggs in one basket here and really make this work in North America this time because the clock's kind of ticking for fringe NHL guys once you hit your 30s and not a lot of spots for you here. So I think we could see a really motivated Josh Curry. And, and I hope that doesn't sound like I'm, I'm dogging on the guy. I'm just more mean from a mentality state. I think he's going to have a lot of motivation to do well. Coming in at number 49. Sorry. Coming in at number 50 on our organizational value rankings. We teased it earlier in the show. He's a champion with the Hershey Bears. Another acquisition for the AHL side for Ottawa this offseason. It's Garrett Pilon, a forward out of the Hershey Bears who, man, this guy, he's not the biggest guy in stature, but watching his clips, man, a strong stride, hard on the forward check. I think he's going to be a really solid depth piece for Belleville. Yep, absolutely. Pierre Dorian loves winners. Well, get yourself a Calder Cup champion. And uh, like you mentioned, they're going to be playing the Hershey Bears. Uh, Belleville is right off the bat. So that'll be an interesting revenge game for him. He'll, he'll, uh, they'll be doing a ceremony for that, won't they? Like, but they've already got their rings, I would assume. Like, would that be the game you do, do the rings? The banner. Yeah, the banner goes up. But yeah, they'll have their rings for for that for sure. So that'll be a big game for him. He's going to want to prove to his old team that they should have kept him. They should have kept going with him as he's a draft pick for the Washington Capitals in the third round in 2016. And Bielan's interesting because he's only 25 years old, but he's already got 259 games of AHL experience. And he had a good playoff run with them, 10 points in 20 games all the way to the Calder Cup, and he scored the OT winner in Game 5, which was a crucial game for them. So this is a guy that knows how to get it done in the AHL, and I like this because he's not like your Josh Curry, a 30-year-old uh, vet that's bounced bounced around a bit. He's been with one team, one organization, and he's 25 years old. So he has more experience than some of these prospects, but he's not quite kind of a, a, a grizzled vet that I don't want to say would be out of touch with prospects or anything like that. But he can more uh, he's more relatable to some of the younger guys on Belleville's roster as well. And he came through clutch not only in that Game 5 overtime where he scored on Joey Decord, but also 10 points in 20 playoff games. And to me, he's your prototypical bottom six center in the AHL where he can move up in a pinch and he showed that he can put up a, a decent offensive production. But really, you're going to look at him on the penalty kill. You're going to look at him in, in late-game situations where you just need effort and energy. He, he's an energy forward from everything that I've seen. And in 53 regular season games last year, had 29 points, was a plus player at 
I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could get like if Ottawa needs like a quick, you know, two game stint or they're going on a road trip and, you know, you want the prospects to play. I could see him playing a couple of games in the NHL right now. He's got one of the best goals per game in the NHL and the organization Played three games. He's got one goal in his back pocket. But uh, all jokes aside, I think you're going to see him as like I could see him wearing an A in Belleville. Let's put it that way. I could see him being a part of the leadership group down there. Yeah, and like he's he's a pretty consistent player. Like he's gonna get. I know on the graphic it's got him at twenty nine points here, but I think you can pencil him in for thirty points. He's hit thirty points three times, and even um, uh, he had forty two points not last year, but the year before. So like he's a guy that's gonna put up a solid point production for you, and like you mentioned, I think he's gonna bring some oomph uh, production wise to that bottom six in Belleville. I really like what uh, what the Belleville Sens did, bringing him in, bring Josh Curry in, bring another couple guys who we're going to get to on our list in to bring a bit of you know veteran presence to a team that I think has lacked it in years past, or they have it, and then it's gone, like Logan Shaw, where it's like, okay, you got someone good, hold on to these guys. So Garrett Pilon in on a one-year contract. We'll see what he can do for the Belleville Sens. All right, now we're at number 49 on our organizational value rankings, and we are talking about a player who we have as AHL depth, but after speaking with general manager Pierre Dorian earlier this summer on Locked On Senators, he told us this signing was more for Ottawa. It's Pakanji Imama coming in at number 49. This guy, personality plus, will do anything for his teammates, and he wore a letter last year with Tucson, uh, the AHL affiliate of Arizona. Ross, this is probably my favorite, uh, you know, minor league signing. And I know there is implications he could play in the NHL, so I hesitated to use that term. But for guys in this range, I love this signing of a mama. I was so disappointed that they didn't bring Scott Sabrin back. I thought, like we talked to Igor, remember before they named uh, Hetherington the captain? We said, who who's a guy that like the really rallies the boys in the locker room and you kind of look at as a leader? And without hesitation, first guy he said was Scott Sabrin. So they need a guy with AHL experience that's going to make them feel bigger out there. That's going to make them say, hey, if someone wants to mess around, we've got someone that can mess around with them. And just go on YouTube and watch some of uh, Boko's fights. He's not afraid of anyone. In his in his second NHL fight, he challenged Ryan Reeves. Like he fought up, uh, he fought Boro, which that fight was hilarious because they dropped the gloves as a goal went in. So they're celebrating a goal, and Boko and Boro are just going at it. Boko and Boro, that's a good, uh, that's a good uh, one-two combo there. But I, I really think that not only is going to bring physicality, but like you mentioned, like there's been so many veteran guys that are in and out of Belleville and it's just a revolving door and they don't really get any consistency. I think he's going to be a glue guy in this locker room and I think he's going to bring a positive attitude every day. Like we we only met him for a brief second at Dev Camp and the three of us, me, you and Marshall, are like, that guy is awesome. Like that guy, you can feel his aura uh, in the video where he uh, meets Pierre Dorian. Like you can tell he's just got a lot of good energy and he comes to work every day with a smile on his face and say what you want, but that can go a long way in when you're in the always hungry league and you're riding the bus uh, to, to Syracuse and to Springfield and all over the place. And maybe you're feeling a little bit uh, out of it. So I think a guy like Boko will really have an impact on this team. Played 50 games last year in the minor leagues, five goals, 15 assists for 20 points, 109 penalty minutes, was a plus player. Also played five games in the National League, no points, but played 
with Arizona. He's on a one-year $775,000 deal in the NHL if and when or when he makes it to Ottawa. He'll be wearing number 14 for the Senators. Just an intimidating presence on the ice. Also a part of the friendship club with Thomas Shabbat and Matthew Joseph and Matthew Highmore as well. Another guy they brought in all teammates together on the St. John Sea Dogs that won the QMJHL championship back at either 2015, 16, or 17 while Shabbat was there doing his thing on the back end. So Bokanji Imama, Boko Imama comes in at number 49 on our organizational value rankings. And let us know in the comments how you'd feel if he makes the Senators out of training camp and maybe alternates in and out of the lineup with a Zach McEwen. I think that could be an interesting thing to keep our eye on as this progresses throughout training camp. All right, we'll get back to our organizational value rankings first, but we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Welcome back to Locked On Senators. I'm Ross Levitan. A reminder that we're your team every day. We'll be here throughout the pre-preseason, the preseason, post-game shows. You got it right here on Locked On Senators. Please subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, that thumbs up button down there, that's your friend. Smash that. Help us grow the show as we are now 863 episodes in and have still covered zero playoff games. For now, for now, that could all change in a matter of months. But for now, we get back to our organizational value rankings. And coming in at number 48, it's Rourke Chartier, a guy who came in with not much fanfare. But this guy's just a goal scorer at the American Hockey League level, Bills. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, I've always been a Rourke Chartier guy. Like, I, I thought that that was a nice signing to bring him in here. Like, his first season, he came in with a bang. 25 points in 33 games is pretty impressive. Even, I hate to bring it up, but the short playoff stint they had in two goals, he had two points. Like, he, he was a very big part of that offense. And then he kept things going last year. 40 games, 20 goals, and then only 8 assists. Like, 20 goals and 8 assists is a wild stat line. That reminds me of uh, Brandon Peary back in the day. He used to put up stat lines like that all the time. But hey, when they're going in for you, you keep shooting. And that's what Rourke Chartier was doing. I I think that he's just your prototypical middle six centerman uh, in the American Hockey League. He even got a taste six NHL games with Ottawa where he didn't look out of place. It's not like he was getting a whole lot of opportunity. The uh, the game log kind of funny for uh, for Rourke Chartier at the NHL level because let's let's be honest, he was there because Ottawa was in such a pinch and didn't really have anybody else to look at. I mean, his final game he played with Ottawa, he played four minutes and forty seconds. He was up around ten minutes in those games, but I thought he showed fairly decent. He played center, took some faceoffs, and it was at a time where Ottawa really like. The injuries were piling up. That was when Timmy was out of the lineup for that game, that loss in Winnipeg. And um, yeah, he did an admirable job. And I think that's why he's a little bit higher on in this tier than maybe he would have been. Uh, zero Pims in 40 games, too. That's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely impressive. Like a goal scorer that keeps things clean. That's um, that's solid for Rourke Chartier. And yeah, I think the, the thing is with him is he's one of those guys that found success in Belleville and then they didn't just let him go. Like that's, that's the issue. You can't have guys that have a good season and you're like, well, 
we're just going to recycle you for another veteran. Like you need to have, build some chemistry with the coaching staff, with the prospects. You want guys to be like, I love it here in Belleville. I want to have my family live here in Belleville and all those kinds of things. Like you need to start building that in the AHL. It's so important. I can't emphasize it enough. So to bring Rook Chartier back is a great move in my eyes. I think so too. He even has some NHL experience from his time in San Jose. So I think you're going to yes. see him as, again, you can never have too much depth, especially down the middle. And Rook Chartier, man, magic in the shootouts too. I know he went two for three last season, but uh, he's yes. a guy where he comes in clutch in, in those moments. I know he's got a couple of beauties. And without Jake Lucini now, who really did some damage in the shootout for Belleville last year, just a good guy to have in the lineup. And that's why Rourke Chartier comes in at number 48 on our organizational value rankings. Moving up to 47, where we have Cole Reinhardt, who was drafted as an overager and then went right to pro hockey due to the COVID pandemic. He was probably going to go back maybe for one more year of junior, but he turns pro. He's got speed, 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 but it's what are you going to do to round out your game? Talk about a B game. That's what I think we got to work with next this season with Cole Reinhardt. Yeah, I think Cole Reinhardt is one of those guys like he's a very meat and potatoes type player. Like he's not going to wow you with a lot of skill, but he knows how to be in the right spot, the right time. He plays kind of a harder game than some of the other prospects. A uh, good farm boy uh, as our classic story that we heard from. I'm blanking on his name now, but the Brandon Sun reporter. Oh, Perry uh, Bergson. Yes. Yes. Nice. Thank you for picking up there. Uh, he was telling us when uh, Cole Reinhardt was drafted, he was out working on the farm, uh, s- shoveling hay and manure. yeah, and and scooping manure, something I'm uh, very f- familiar with. So I, I can relate to that. Um, but he's is just that, one. Of- is that when you talk after I make a point? <laughs> scooping manure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Depends who you ask. Yeah. Um, but I just think, like, look, we talked to David Bell ab- about who's one player you want to step up, and he mentioned that this is a pivotal season for Cole Reinhardt in not not just, like, Belleville aspect, but it, it, as far as his pro hockey career goes, because the entry-level contract's over. This was a one-year deal that was signed, and he's got to kind of find out, like, am I just a middle six AHL guy or do I have parts of my game that are enticing for me to be able to play? I I think there's a part of him that could be a a nice fourth line player in the NHL. If he can take that step this season. I think that there's a possibility he can like he shot I mean, 34 points isn't anything for us to turn our head, our nose up at as a guy who can consistently bring it on the penalty kill, you know what you're going to get there from him. And the year before he had 30 points and the year before he had only 12. So he's going in the right direction. It's just, what's he going to do to separate? Because there's a lot of guys as the, as the bottom area of success for the Ottawa senators continues to arise, that standard should be set higher and higher for the AHL as well. And that needs to elevate everybody's game. And for Cole Reinhardt, a guy who brings an A-plus attribute with his speed, it's his time to show that he's going to take the next step. He's 22, 23 years old right now. He It's time for him to go up. I'd like to see him clean up some of the penalties, 91 penalty minutes last year. I think that uh, a lot of them probably a couple more minors than you'd probably like along the way for that one. So if he can clean it up with that and not put his team shorthanded, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on him, but 
his one NHL game, he was in the box for the game-winning goal against against Nashville. And I know he felt awful about that. You could see it. But I think he deserves another shot. And, again, there's a lot of guys now that are going to be competing for NHL minutes. And we know injuries happen. But I'm very, like, nervously excited anticipating Cole Reinhardt's next season because I could see him scoring 20 at the AHL level. That would be a great season. But what what's he going to do to force David Bell to put him on the power play, to put him in a top six role? That's where he's going to have to control his own destiny here with what he's going to put out, not only in training camp, in preseason games. I'm sure he'll get a taste with Ottawa and then into the start of the regular season. Belleville needs a strong start, and he could be one of those X factors, in maybe in the third line, who's pushing them to do better. Yeah, I actually kind of have a different train of thought, Ross. I I think uh, he should be focusing more on being an elite penalty killer and, uh, you know, playing a more physical game rather than scoring more goals and getting on the power play. Because let's face it, odds are he's not going to be a top six forward in the NHL. So you got to crack your way into the bottom six lineup. What's something that the Ottawa Senators have a lot of in their forward depth? Goal scoring, uh, offensive skill, talent, playmakers, all those things. What's something they don't have a lot of? Solid penalty killers, grinders, physical players in the bottom six uh, that can also contribute and show some speed in a pinch as well, right? So that's where I think Cole Reinhardt can elevate his game and show the Ottawa Senators, hey, you might want to take a look at me if you're looking for a different player than Parker Kelly, Boko, or Zach McEwen to play on that fourth line. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because, yeah, you want to be able to play the way you're going to play at the National Hockey League level. And for Cole Reinhardt, that's going to be as a defensive-minded forward. I will stand firm on the fact that if you're going to be in those roles, can't be putting your team shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that he can work yep. on for next season. Let's Definitely. get the M's down to 50 and let's make a lot of them coincidental penalties where you're taking off a top six guy that you're matched up against uh, on the other side off and keep things at five on five. Is it something in the water with the Brandon Wheat Kings? Hey, both him and Ridley Gregg like to get in the mix quite a bit. Yeah. Well, hey, they make them tough out there in Manitoba. Coming in at number 46 on our organizational value rankings, it's Jacob Larson, a player who was not qualified for the Senators. Everyone's like, oh, are they moving on? No, they actually signed him to less than what his qualifying offer would have been and in turn gave him a higher AHL salary. A former first-round pick, Pilsy, he brings a level of stability that you need on the back end in, in your minor league team. This is another example of bringing back a more veteran player that worked out. Jacob Larson just got married this summer. So this is maybe hit him and his family being like, hey, we like it in Belleville. I won't. I think oh. I think David Bell told us that. He's like, he loves it in Belleville. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, he did. He did tell us that. That's the thing. Like at, at certain points in guys' careers, they're like, okay, I just want to know that this is a place I like. I enjoy playing. I know my role here. And I think for Jacob Larson, he's found that in Ottawa. He did get a taste of NHL action last year with seven games up in Ottawa. But I think this is a guy I'm glad they kept around and I'm glad they were able to work out a nice contract for him. I'm really happy that he's back. I'm really happy that he's back because despite, I mean, the offensive numbers are never going to be there, but he did play seven games with Ottawa. Uh, Was he great? Probably not. But again, I think in a perfect world, he's your second pair left side defenseman in Belleville, maybe even third pair depending on where Tyler Clevin starts the season. Because if Clevin's down there, he's got to be your top left side defenseman. He needs to be in all situations. He needs to be getting puck touches as much as possible. And then you have Dylan Hetherington and Jacob Larson. And that's just, 
a nice left side of the de- defense. So the it's almost one of those guys where the less you notice Jacob Larson, the better oh, yeah. he's playing. 55 games in Belleville last year, four goals, 17 points, 51 penalty minutes. Again, you'd probably like that cleaned up a little bit. And then minus five for him. But I just think, yeah, for a league minimum contract where I think he's making 200 grand in Belleville. So he should be considered a leader on that team. And I think he's a he's a good player to have in the organization. So I'm happy that he's back. And he's a guy who, yeah, less is more for Jacob Larson. Yeah, Ross, he's actually making 325 in Belleville. So oh. that, like that's a thing. Like that's a nice deal for him. So I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah, so am I. So what's what's a successful season look like for Jacob Larson to you? Uh, honestly, just run it back. Like if he has the same stats and maybe mixes in a couple NHL games if uh, injuries are an issue. That's fine for me. Yes, Jacob Larson with all that comes in at number 46 on our organizational value rankings. All right, coming in at number 45, it's Dylan Hetherington. Oh, captain, my captain. He's back in Belleville. And this is a player who should be dominant physically, solid on the back end, but maybe as well, more importantly, being a mentor to a Tyler Clevin type down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dylan Hetherington is another one of those guys that it's great that they brought him back, especially as the captain. Like, you don't want to be a franchise where you just pick a captain to pick a captain, right? Or how about a team who has one-year captains for four years in a row? Yeah, that was not a great look, honestly. Like, it's it's tough. So I think it's great that, they're, that he's back. He's going to provide some much-needed stability on the back end, especially with some of the younger guys there. You're looking at your Clevins, your uh, Gannettes. They need uh, some of those more steady-eddy-type defensemen so that they can be responsible defensively and just let those guys try to take things uh, to the next level offensively, especially Gannett. Um, so, again... Happy Dylan Hetherington's back, and I think he's the the right type of player to return to Belleville. And when you look at his last season, 60 games, 15 points, 63 penalty minutes. He was a plus six, which I want to say led Belleville. Am I right with that? I just uh, have uh, Cole Reinhardt pulled up. I got it right here. Uh, plus six was tied for third on the team behind, yes, Scott Sabarin and Matthew Boucher, a PTO mm-hmm. player who actually played 50 games. Yeah. No, in terms of the regulars, yeah, he's right up there and just a steady Eddie presence again. And this seems like a common theme. Belleville took too many penalties last year. They need they need their top players to set the tone and say, yeah, we'll play physically, but we're not going to put the, the team down. Now, uh, Hetherington definitely had a couple fights in there, maybe a misconduct yeah. or two, but that to say, I want all these pimps to be down a little bit from last year. He also played three NHL games and he was kind of up and down in and out. And there was a couple of call-ups if I'm not mistaken, where he came up, but didn't actually play for Ottawa, but he was just one of those guys where you can, he's an organizational depth player, which is the tier we're at. And he's near the top of the tier for a reason because of those leadership qualities. And I mean, what, what do you think he's at for NHL games? Cause he definitely has a, more than a few under his belt uh, back in his Columbus days. And I think maybe even with Colorado, I'm pulling up right now. 20 it's less than you think. Yeah. Alice actually is where he have got his NHL taste. He was a drafted in the uh, Columbus organization, second round pick actually back in 2013. So yeah, 23 NHL games, 12 of them have actually come with Ottawa, but yeah, I just think, yeah, a good solid defensive presence on the blue line for Belleville. Yep, and a good a good leader from everything we've heard, right? So, great great uh, job bringing back him. He got heater comes in 
at number 45 on our organizational value rankings. All right, coming in at number 44, top of the AHL depth tier. It's another new addition, a guy who's got no trouble putting the puck in the back of the net or finding players to do that with his playmaking ability. We're going back to the East Coast by, we're bringing in Matthew Highmore at number 44. Yeah, this was a great signing to find a guy like Matthew Highmore. I mean, talk about uh, pro experience. He, he's got good NHL and AHL experience. He absolutely dominated last year in Springfield with the Thunderbirds. 61 points in 68 games. He was a plus one. And this is someone that I want to see him setting up the more offensively talented prospects in Belleville. Like, I want to see Roby Yarventi thriving playing with a guy like Highmore or a guy like Crooker. Like those guys need to be lighting it up. I think uh, Matthew Highmore, especially with his NHL experience, like he's got 139 NHL games, almost more than AHL. He's 165 AHL. So he's split his time pretty consistently there. EP has him as a center or a wing. So also a guy like Zach Stapchuk, like he could learn a lot from Matthew Highmore, I think so. This was another signing. Like, I expect Highmore to be a key contributor in the top six. Like, Highmore, in my mind, essentially replaces Jacob Lucchini. Yeah, I would say he's a better version of Jacob Lucchini as well. He might have yeah. as many points last season as Lucchini has in his AHL career. But you, yeah. look at, you look at what Matthew Highmore brings, it's speed. So he'll, he'll never have trouble keeping up with the other players on his line. He's going to set the pace out there, and that's huge for a guy who also was nearly a point per game. 68 games, 61 points last season, 42 assists, which, Pilsy, not sure if you know this, he would have led Belleville in assists last year. He would have led Belleville in points yep. last year, and he did it in 68 games, which is pretty close actually to a full season as all the Belleville top guys played 70, 71 to 72 game season. So when you look at Matthew Highmore, you're looking at the best free agent signing they got for Belleville. There's no question. He's going to bring it. He's going to be expected to put up points. And with his NHL experience, he really shouldn't have much trouble doing it. No, he shouldn't. And Ross, the Sens put their money where their mouth is his minor salary. 400 grand so he like he's making more than some of the uh, like no sorry he's making more than all of the returning players and even all of the new additions when it comes to minor salary like 400 grand in the mindsies is pretty damn impressive so shout out to matthew highmore and his agent for getting that contract done well if you look at it before last season it was pre-covid that he'd even played in the ahl he played in the nhl the whole covid shortened season Vancouver and, and uh, Chicago split time between there and yep. then played 46 games this not last year but the year before with Vancouver so yep. he, he's like a, a quadruple a to use a baseball term yeah, definitely right? like, too good for the AHL not quite able to stick all the time at the NHL level he will play for Ottawa this year is my guess like at least a game or two uh, I think that he is he's going to be an impactful player in the AHL I think that it's not far-fetched to say that he could lead the Belleville Senators in scoring this year Ross, I would even go as far as saying I expect him to lead the Belleville Senators in scoring. And what would that be, 65, 70 points? I'm looking plus 65 points. I mean, uh, hopefully injuries don't do what they did to the Senators last year, so I expect him to play most, if not all, of the season in Belleville, apart from maybe a handful of games here or there in the NHL. But yeah, 
I really think that he's going to have a huge year points-wise. And he's only 27. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's some 30, 34, 33-year-old that's kind of over and, and on the back nine. He's a player where I still think he believes he's an NHLer, and he's going to do it. I think that he's – even just to set the pace for the Boucher's, the Yarventis, the Sokolov's to be like, hey, to make the NHL, you not only have to beat out the guys who are on one-way contracts, but this guy in a two-way contract, he's pretty good as well. You got to be better than him if you want to make the team. So Matthew Highmark comes in at number 44 on our organizational value rankings. All right, Pilsy, busy show again today. What are your final thoughts on today's show? Final thoughts for me is I'm excited to get back into organizational value rankings. Like it's a really good exercise to be like, how do all these players fit into this organization? Who goes where? What is expected of them? And I hope that people really enjoy it too. Cause I think unless you're like a diehard fan, there's a lot of these guys that you kind of forget about and they get lost in the shuffle. So we want to take time to highlight those guys and show that, Hey, maybe they're not a, a top line NHL player, but they are important to the, the piece of the puzzle that is the Ottawa Senators. They're not only important, they're they're critical because yeah. that was Ottawa's biggest problem last year is finding depth pieces. Right. That exactly. Contribute. And that's that's what these guys are. They're they're your they're your gritty, you know, guys who are riding the bus for a lot of the season. But hey, if you need them in a pinch, when you need them, you don't want to be still looking for them. Yeah. You want to you want to be able to to really kind of expect something from them right now so if you are just joining us today if you missed yesterday's episode i'm going to pull up for the people here yeah um what we have gotten to so far so everyone can kind of see it in one area here this is 44 through 60 pilsy we've done 16 profiles in the last two shows here (laughs) as you can see a little sneak of the behind the scenes here with our google doc that i'm all charting all the time but uh yeah there's your list from 60 up to 44. If you're missing it, you can go check it out at the end of the show on YouTube uh, where we have it. But we'll have this written out. We're going to do a tier starting on the weekend. I'm going to put each individual one out and we'll make a thread on Twitter. And you can go scroll through that and go through each guy. And you can write in the comments who we're too low on, who we're too high on, or who you're expecting big things from next season in Belleville. Are they a Calder Cup contending team? Can they compete? with the teams who spend so much money on their minor league system. Those are all questions that the answers to will come in April or May, hopefully not in November where the, where Ottawa and Belleville have kind of tanked in the last number of years, but we've got a lot of positivity to get to as we continue up this rankings for today. We say goodbye for Brandon pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the locked on senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>